wherever or whenever you are, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sports Crunch with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromwell. Well, folks, we are officially less than three weeks away from the 2021 NFL Draft. April 29th, can't get here soon enough, folks. I'm that excited and impatient. But in that spirit, we continue with the second leg of our annual Dash to the Draft Divisional Tour and visit a division that will arguably be home to two of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL this season, a promising young roster on the rise still in search of that quarterback, and a team that finds itself stuck in the middle struggling to take the next big step. I am talking about the AFC West, and to help us break down the 2021 draft needs of the Broncos, Chargers, Raiders, and Chiefs, it is a pleasure to welcome Carl Dummler of MileHighHuddle.com back to the program. Carl, how you doing, my man? I am doing great, David. I, I just, uh, you know, I always love getting to talk football with you, man, and, and especially this time of year. It's just such an exciting time. All the ideas of, of who you could add for your team to really get you over the top. Uh, I just, I can't wait to dig into this with you, man. I can't wait either. Let's start off with uh, your favorite team and my favorite team, the Denver Broncos. And excitement is uh, higher than it's been in the at any time of the past five years, arguably, uh, because of the arrival of new GM George Payton, a long overdue front office move for the Broncos, in my opinion. But even before George Payton arrived, the Broncos have been quietly building a very promising young roster, as I alluded to in the intro, with, with talent on both sides of the ball. But that said... The quarterback position remains a glaring hole of uncertainty five years after Peyton Manning rolled off into the sunset. And based on the sample size so far, it would take the utmost of miracles for Drew Locke to become a franchise signal caller. But based on where they currently sit at nine overall, the only possible way for the Broncos to fight a potential long-term answer quarterback in this draft is to trade up. But if they are unable to do so, should they trade back from nine and start to build a long-term war chest of draft capital so that so they can pursue a quarterback in one of the next two or three drafts? Yeah, that, that's that's exactly the, the situation they find themselves in. Uh, we, we've seen the Broncos already in the mix for some different quarterbacks. They've been linked to, of course, Matthew Stafford was the big one that they were willing to give. Pick nine and more to get him. Uh, we saw that they were possibly interested or at least made calls on Carson Wentz. Uh, even I think they've made some calls on uh, Sam Bradford or not Sam Bradford, Sam uh, Darnold. Sam Darnold. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and a few other guys that I know that they've talked to. And, and uh, so they're really looking to figure out something with that quarterback position. Now it might just be finding a, a backup veteran option to kind of hedge their bets with, with Drew Locke if they can't get up in the draft. But I do think that the smoke is real when it comes to that the Broncos are really interested in some of these quarterbacks in this draft. Uh, yes, and uh, which of the quarterbacks that could potentially be within striking distance for the Broncos make the most sense? Is it Justin Fields, is it Trey Lance, or uh, to play devil's advocate, Mac Jones? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think each of them bring a little something different to the table, and so each of them you have to figure out a little bit of how you're going to design the offense to fit them. With, with Justin Fields, uh, the the one thing I really love that the Broncos have is having Shula, the quarterback coach on staff. He was the offensive coordinator for Cam Newton. And I think a lot of what you saw the, the Panthers do back in 2011 when Cam Newton was a rookie, I, I think a lot of that could translate well for Justin Fields early in his career, where you do allow him to really use his legs to to put the fear of God into uh, to other teams because of that 4-4 speed. And... At the same time, he's got great touch. He's got a great ability over the top. I mean, that's exactly what Ohio State did. I thought a lot of what the Broncos ran at the beginning of the season with Drew Locke this last year are a lot of things that would work with Justin Fields 
I mean, that's what they did at Ohio State where they had a lot of more deeper passes down the field, a lot of long developing plays. Uh, with with Trey Lance, uh, he's a little bit tougher to figure out just because you have such a small sample size. But you, you love the cannon arm. Again, you love the ability to take off running. And and I, I think he could really find at least an ability to uh, to be competent with the Broncos early on. And you hope then that the tools really develop into something more. And then Mac Jones, I, I, I will say I'm not a big Mac Jones fan. But I do think he fits what the Broncos do with Shermer, where he's looking for those quick strike, smart quarterback that gets the ball in the right hands of a, of a playmaker and let them go make plays. Mac Jones can do that. I, I don't see the ceiling with him where you see a, a true top five quarterback, but a guy that can kind of be your point guard and, and kind of distribute the ball where it needs to go and, and be smart with it. He can be that kind of guy. Good job of playing devil's advocate for Mac Jones, and I'm personally not the biggest Mac Jones fan either. I personally think the talk of him going to the Niners at three is a bunch of hooey, dare I say. And uh, if the Niners actually did draft Mac Jones at three, it would be one of the dumbest uh, decisions in modern NFL draft history. But uh, that's neither here uh, nor there. But like I alluded to, suppose the Broncos are unable to move up for Justin Fields or Trey Lance, uh, assuming they're not interested in Mac Jones. And uh, if uh, the cupboard is bare among the top prospects at nine, uh, do you think uh, it's in their best interest to trade up and start to build that long-term uh, war chest, as I uh, mentioned? Yeah, it, it seems like the idea, I, I think that the lowest odds are the Broncos staying at pick nine. I, I think it's either a trade up for a quarterback or they look to trade down. And, and I mean, Peyton's coming from a, the, the Vikings who've had the most picks in the NFL over the last three years. They, they just, they love having lots of draft picks. They, they love putting as many different options out there and just, Hey, let, let's throw as many darts at the board and let's see how many stick. And uh, so I, I think Peyton would, would really much go in that direction if he can't get his quarterback. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos were one of those teams that traded back twice in the first round. Oh, that would be very, very ideal. Just look at what the Dolphins have done with all all, all their assets in, in recent years. Uh, do you think it's possible the Dolphins might have started a, a Astro Ball type revolution in the NFL? Well, I, it's hard to tell because the Dolphins kind of ran into a a unique situation with Houston just being really stupid <laughs> and uh, being willing to just trade everything for a left tackle, and uh, and so. And, and then, of course, the Dolphins ended up with a high pick last year, so getting their quarterback figured out. Um, but you, you do see a lot of teams where it's either you trade up for a quarterback or you try to get as much in the draft as possible when we're talking about as many picks as possible and, and see what you can build up. And uh, so you see a lot of teams who are in really good spots. I think the AFC East, it wouldn't surprise me if in two, three years, that's the best division in football. I mean, you got the Jets who have quite a few picks. You got the Dolphins who have a lot of picks. The Bills are already good. The, the Patriots just spent a ton of money. If they can get the quarterback position figured out, that, that's going to be a tough division moving forward. It is, but back to the uh, AFC West at the Los Angeles Chargers. And when it comes to the Chargers, this draft should be about building around their new franchise quarterback in Justin Herbert. And they began doing that in free agency by upgrading their offensive line, most notably with the signing of uh, Corey Lindsley. But that said, they still have some issues to tackle, and the weapons around Herbert may be very good, but not as great as the ones the Chiefs have. Therein lies their dilemma in the first round. Do you prioritize the offensive line or the skill position weaponry if you're Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley? I, I'm big on taking the offensive line. Just 
it's hard to find a quality tackle outside the first round. They, they just teams do a pretty good job of recognizing where the talent is at. Unless you got a guy that's going to be a developmental guy that you can two, three years down the road, be able to put him out there. But you, you got to protect your investment. We're seeing too many quarterbacks that are taking big hits going down with injuries and just with how fast the NFL is getting these days, I think tackle is, is definitely a, a more important position there. And I think also you're starting to see where uh, some of the top wide receivers are coming out in the second round. Broncos just got one in Cortland Sutton chiefs, their top one in Tyreek Hill. He was a, a fifth round pick if I remember right. Yep. And, and so you're seeing even the, even the chargers, Keenan Allen, I think he was a third round pick. Yes. And so I think you can find more quality receivers later in the draft than you can find quality tackles. I agree. That's why I strongly believe the Chargers have their eyes on a tackle with that 13th uh, overall pick. And on to uh, Sin City, the Las Vegas Raiders, where in two years of the Mike Mayock-John Gruden partnership, their draft classes, at least so far, have been underwhelming, to put it kindly. (laughs) And like I said, the Raiders are kind of like that team that, that stuck in the middle. They got a lot of uh, solid pieces on that team for sure. And uh, Derek Carr in recent years has solidified himself as a legit top 12 to 15 quarterback uh, in the NFL, if not top 10 in his best year. But they just can't seem to take that next step. Do you think this is a make or break draft for either Mike Mayock and or John Gruden? I, I would say more for Mike Mayock than I would say for John Gruden. Yeah. Just he has that 10 year contract and with coaches having guaranteed contracts, the idea after what four years firing him and saying you still owe him sixty million dollars, I, I can't see that happening. But Mike Mike Mayock, I could see him being let go. I, I think there, there there's enough there with John Gruden really kind of running things anyway. I mean, I, I think Mayock's doing some work, but I think he's more of a figurehead where John Gruden still gets his way in the end. And, uh, and so if, if he can go and, and kind of be the scapegoat of, hey, this is why we're losing because he's not doing great with drafts, I, I think he would be the one to say, see you later. Yeah, and that's a very sad situation. I've always been a big fan of uh, Mike Mayock. He's was, is always a nice guy to talk to whenever I'm down at the Senior Bowl uh, in Mobile. And the fact that he's in such a sorry position with the Raiders organization as he is right now, he deserved a much better opportunity than this one, to put it bluntly. Right, right. And and I think you're starting to see a little bit of just the difference between analyst and being a GM yeah. with him. You know, there's still some, like I said, their, their drafts haven't been great, but they've taken a lot of guys who are a little bit of risk averse, a lot of solid guys that you expect to be kind of uh, decent players, but maybe don't translate as those elite guys like a Colin Farrell. And, uh, it's okay to have a few of those on your team, but you still need elite talent. Yeah. That's why they're whole trading away Khalil Mack. I mean, that that trade has destroyed them in, in many ways. I mean, it got them a great, a lot of first round yeah. picks, but when you don't have that elite player that you can sit there and have defenses or offenses have to really game plan for and say, we got to stop this guy and open up other people. It, it just really destroys yeah. that ability to have a strong defense. Uh, yes, and that's one of several reasons why the Raiders have, unfortunately for them, been unable to take that uh, next step forward. And on to the uh, two-year-in-a-row AFC champion Kansas City Chiefs. 
As Super Bowl 55 demonstrated, no matter how special, no matter how great your quarterback is, football is one up front. And after that patchwork offensive line got absolutely demolished by the Bucks, the Chiefs have focused like a laser beam, and rightfully so, on improving that offensive line as they signed, signed Joe Tooney to that mega deal in free agency, plus uh, getting Kyle Long out of retirement. But due to the double release of uh, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, their tackle situation is currently one of the worst in the league, at least on paper in my opinion, with the unproven Lucas Niang and Super Bowl turnstile Mike Remmers, who we Broncos fans know well as the projected starters at the moment. Do you believe it's a tackle or bust for the Chiefs in the first round? I I would say it's pretty close to that. I They still have some major issues in that secondary right now that they, they didn't fix last year. Uh, you know, I mean, Nick Kendall, we're both friends with him. Uh, he, he was one that was just shocked that they took a running back in the first round. And, and part of that was just, Hey, they have all these issues in the secondary that could come back to bite them in the button. And, and while we got to see Mahomes get destroyed on the offensive side, their defense didn't do anything to stop the, uh, the bucks either. And, and so they, they have some major holes on that team. Patrick Mahomes covers up a lot of things. But when you get against great talent and organizations that have, you know, a roster that's just built very, very strong, that, that's a team that it shows. Patrick Mahomes, like you said, he can't do it by himself. And and so, yeah, if, if there's a tackle there that they can take, it's hard to see them passing because they need two tackles, really. I mean, you, you need at least a developmental guy and a starter out of this draft. And uh, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. And then, of course, like I said, they got to still fix the secondary. There's some questions at linebacker, even defensive line, uh, just that entire defense. It just it's not what it was a couple years ago. He is Carl Dummler, ladies and gentlemen, of MileHighHuddle.com, also the co-host of the Building the Broncos podcast with Nick Kendall that you could check out at Mile High Huddle, and you can also follow Carl on Twitter at CarlDummlerMHH. And now, Carl, for the moment you and I have been waiting for, it is time to do a three-round mock for each of the four AFC West teams, starting with the Denver Broncos. And for the sake of uh, timing, uh, we are not going to do any trades uh, in this draft, but uh, this is just an exercise. A mock isn't real. And uh, get the uh, mock draft uh, machine up from uh, the draft network. We are ready to roll as we start with the uh, Broncos. And uh, the board uh, is quickly coming to us. And... Ooh, check this out. The Broncos have both Trey Lance and Justin Fields on the board at nine. This is a dream situation that is highly unlikely to happen. But just for this exercise, if both those quarterbacks are staring you right at the face, who do you take? I'm taking Justin Fields. He He's my number two guy. Like I said, I, I love the athleticism that, he, athleticism that he brings. I think he has a higher floor. So he's a little bit of the safer pick of the two. I would still say Trey Lance probably does have the higher ceiling, but just him being 20 years old scares the heck out of me to be the true face of a franchise. Uh, I, I like Trey Lance, but I think he needs a team where he can go sit for a year. Justin Fields is one of those guys. He could come in 2021, be the starter. I think with the Broncos especially, when they have a quality offensive line, they're going to have a strong run game with Melvin Gordon. They got all the pieces there with, with Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton coming back, Noah Fant. Uh, it really sets up for a quarterback to come in and find success early on. And I just think Justin Fields, that guy, uh, just he, he's he's one of my favorite players. I have him number two in this entire draft when it comes to talent. Trevor Lawrence, number one. 
So it would be hard for me to ever pass on him if he made it there to pick nine. Same here, Justin Fields. Uh, he's got the perfect uh, ceiling floor combination out of any of the quarterbacks of this draft, not named uh, Trevor Lawrence. And dare I say, I'm still kind of uh, puzzled as to why the Jets are so locked in on Zach Wilson too. Yes, uh, I understand the promise that Zach Wilson brings, but there's a lot of mystery with Zach Wilson. Justin Fields brings you a higher degree of certainty. Right, right. Yeah, I- I'm with you there. Zach Wilson is probably my fourth quarterback. I'd even put Trey Lance ahead of him. Uh, just that couple things. One, he's had that shoulder injury and another injury to his, his throwing arm. Those things don't usually go away. They just kind of become worse and worse. I mean, we saw it with Drew Locke. Had the right thumb injury, then had the right shoulder injury, and, and it did take some of his velocity away. And I don't know if he'll ever fully get some of that back that he had when he came into the NFL. And uh, on top of that, going from... You know, he, he was he was an above average quarterback before this year and he just kind of exploded onto the scene. And so you always kind of worry about those one year wonders. What happened? Why did they do that? And, and I think I do think part of it is the talent around him. They didn't play a whole lot of great teams. And he had times that he just sat back there all day waiting for somebody to get open. Now, the kid has a, a lively arm. He can do some creative things that remind a lot of people of Patrick Mahomes. And I think that's why. You're seeing some teams put him at that number two spot. But I, I like you said, I, I think I'd have Justin Fields a little bit higher because I do think he is a safer pick to truly become a, a star in this league. And and I like Justin Fields with his legs just to really open things up like a Lamar Jackson or a Josh Allen. Uh, and uh, I believe that Justin Fields is a much better passer than Lamar was coming out of college to boot. Right. So uh, you, you have even more to work with right off the bat. And we are back on the clock with the 40th overall pick, the Broncos' second-round pick. And we've got some options here. Uh, the Broncos are still looking for a legit long-term answer at a right tackle. Uh, Jawan James, uh, you can't depend on that guy to stay healthy. Dylan Radins of North Dakota State, who protected the blind side of Trey Lance these past several years, is still available. But you also got uh, Levi Onzerike, an underrated uh, interior defensive line mid. And the Broncos are pretty deep at the pos- at, at, at defensive line at the moment. But uh, you can never have too many big bodies up front to pressure the quarterback. Baron Browning, a... Athletic linebacker out of Ohio State is still on the board, and uh, the Broncos need more athleticism at that uh, position. And uh, Or Alex Leatherwood, offensive tackle. He could be right tackle uh, opposite Garrett Bowles. Gregory Rousseau or Joseph Asai at edge uh, as potential replacements for Von Miller. Lots of options here, Carl. If you were George Payton, what are you thinking? Well, I mean... It's hard to not look at the the pass rushers because you can't have too many pass rushers. And, uh, I mean, what made the Broncos so deadly there in 2015 with that defense was not only the starters were a lot of quality guys, but you you had a good rotation with Shaq Barrett. Uh, Even Shane Ray was was decent that year, being the fourth guy coming off the bench. And uh, and so Joseph Osai is is tempting. He's one of those that it's tough because he had the great – bowl game a couple years ago and i mean just exploded onto the scene but has been inconsistent Rousseau sitting out this last year uh he's a tough one for me because i don't think the tape quite shows if you're a box score scout he looks great if you watch the tape you're like it doesn't quite line up but at the same time the guy is i mean the size length power all of that there uh but baron browning is the name that kind of sticks out that you mentioned 
just getting that athletic linebacker where after this season, you might be losing Alexander Johnson. You might be losing Josie Jewell. And, and so you're, you're looking for some replacements and his ability to go sideline to sideline, I, I think is something that would be very exciting for, uh, for Vic Fangio to have added to that defense. So I, I think if I was going to go that direction, or if I was going to make this pick, I think it might be Baron Browning. We will make it Baron Browning indeed. So two Ohio State Buckeyes for the Broncos in this three-round mock draft with uh, Justin Fields at nine and Baron Browning, a linebacker at 40, to add some much-needed speed to that middle of Vic Fangio's defense. Uh, we are uh, gradually coming up to pick 71 here, and round three is where it gets even more interesting uh, for, for the Broncos, in my opinion, because uh, uh, there are so many uh, potential pieces that uh, they could add, especially with a lot of uh, veterans uh, coming out of contract at uh, certain positions. And uh, we have uh, several options here. We got uh, the Broncos need safety help. Jamar Johnson for safety from Indiana. Corner help. Ifeatu Melifonwo of uh, Syracuse. Uh, or Tyson Campbell of Georgia. Or with Melvin Gordon coming out of contract, George Payton likes to pick running backs on day two a lot. At, at least they did in Minnesota. Michael Carter, a running back from North Carolina. Uh, Peyton Turner, an edge from Houston. Or if you're uh, looking for a potential answer, long-term right tackle that Mike Mutchin would love, Spencer Brown of Northern Iowa. Mm. Uh, lots of good choices here. Like the, the menu like expands even more in round three, given uh, uh, the amount of players that could be leaving Denver next year. Yeah. I, of all those players you listed, Spencer Brown kind of rises to the top of, for me. Uh, just th that idea of pairing him with Mike Munchak, when you stick an athletic freak that, that just needs some development and you have the best offensive line coach in football to, to give him that piece and say, you got a year to turn this guy into a star. I would really trust that Mike Munchak could do some great things with that kid. And, and so for me, I, I think that, just really answers a lot of questions for the Broncos and, and adds to the depth of the offensive line in case Juwan James can't stay healthy for a year. I do think Spencer Brown, I mean, he's not completely prepared to start day one, but if you absolutely needed him to, his athleticism could cover up enough to, to at least be better than what the Broncos have had in a long time at that backup spot, that, you know, swing tackle spot for them. And, and so I, I think I, that's the direction I would lean out of all those guys uh, I'd really like to to get a cornerback, but the names you mentioned, I like them. I don't love them. Spencer Brown's one of those guys I think I could really love. That's that's a big difference for me there. Yeah, so that wraps up the uh, three-round Broncos mock and on to the Los Angeles Chargers. And as we alluded to at the uh, beginning of the program, uh, tackle has to be their top priority at 13, given their current situation there and uh, the need to protect your uh, franchise quarterback who uh, could very well turn himself into a top-five quarterback in the league this year. And uh, the Chargers are on the clock uh, here. Christian Derrissaw is still on the board at offensive tackle, although Micah Parsons is also still on the board. And given the fact that uh, uh, Vic Faggio's prized pupil, Brandon Staley, is the new head man with the Chargers, Staley might be screaming uh, at Todd Telesco for Micah Parsons if he's comfortable with his character issues. But Justin Herbert, I think, has to be priority number one. And given the depth of this linebacker class, I think you should go with Darisaw here. What do you think? Yeah, that, that, I think that would be a pretty easy pick. Uh, Parsons is one of those. He's just so make or break. I mean, he's either going to turn into a star or he's going to be out of the league in two years because he can't keep himself out of trouble. 
And uh, I, I just would not be willing to take that risk, especially when there is a guy like Darisol that's on the board. And, and like I said, you got to protect your franchise guy. I mean, Herbert's your future for the next 10, 15, 20 years. And, and you want him to last as long as possible. And, and Darisol is a great pick there. I don't think he's the, the top tackle by any means. I don't, I mean, he's about number three or four on my board, but he's going to be a consistent guy there for him. And uh, I think that's a great pick. I think so, too. If uh, Darisaw is there at 13, he's well worth it because of his scheme, versatility, and experience. Started, I believe, all 34 games he played at Vatek. And uh, now the Chargers are looking at some intriguing options here. You got Elijah Moore, a wide receiver out of Ole Miss, to add potentially more vertical speed to that offense, especially with a big arm like Herbert. That could be a, pr a promising uh Pair on Rondale Moore out of Purdue. If you want to get extra creative, uh, although he slightly more gadgety, uh, he could be a, another weapon you could add to this offense. Uh, or if you want to double down a tackle, you could uh, take a a Alex Leatherwood, uh, who's still available. Or um, uh, with long-term uncertainty at tight end, if you want a weapon, Pat Fryermuth from Penn State, the second best tight end in the class, only behind Kyle Pitts, of course. But uh, you have some options here. What are you thinking if you are the Chargers and if you're in this spot? Oh, this is this definitely gets a little tougher. Um, so I like... I like the idea of adding some more weapons for him. I mean, the, the more you can make that, that off offense diverse, the better it can be. And uh, so I would be, I'd be torn to go with Elijah Moore there. But at the same time, like I said, Alex Leatherwood would really kind of finishing off your tackle position and allowing those guys to kind of grow together. And, and, and I think Leatherwood is one of the more pro-ready guys. I mean, he, he's played – they're at Alabama for, for a few years here, had a lot of starts, put in pretty quality work. I don't think he's ever going to become a star in the NFL, but I think he's going to be a very, very consistent guy from, from the get-go. And I'd probably I'd probably go Leatherwood, just double up on tackle, just take care of that problem and be done with it. Yes, and uh, a couple weeks ago when we were discussing NFL free agency on the spot, our guest for that episode, uh, Matt Makoviak, uh, he brought up a very good point. He said that because of the salary cap, uh, yes, folks, the salary cap does still exist, and it is not a myth no matter how you slice or dice it. It only makes it possible to have two of the three things uh, on your on your team. Great quarterback with great weapons, a great quarterback with a great offensive line, or a great quarterback with a great defense. You only have two out of those three things at a time. And what Justin Herbert showed us last year, uh, the Chargers uh, – Offensive weaponry wasn't necessarily awe-inspiring last year because the Keenan Allen's getting a little long in the tooth. And uh, yes, uh, Mike Williams is good, but he's not necessarily a top 10 uh, receiver. Uh, Justin Herbert shows that he could get the best out of anybody you put in that scheme. He shows that he is like the rising tide that lifts all boats. So I think uh, completing the offensive line in front of him will make his job even more easier than uh, adding, giving him another weapon. Right, right. I, I think he is one of those guys, even at, even in Oregon, it's not like he had these outstanding weapons that everybody's talking about, and he put up big numbers for him. But he had a great offensive line in front of him uh, that gave him time to, to do a lot of different things. And, and so I think if you can really turn that around where you can have them go from one of the yeah, – I'd say they were the worst offensive line in football last year. I don't, I don't even know if that's controversial to say. Uh, to have them go from that to maybe a, a top 15 offensive line, I, I think you're looking at 
at Justin Herbert really playing as a top five quarterback if that happens. Oh, I completely, completely, completely agree there. And uh, now the Chargers, we are back on the clock with the 77th overall pick. And now you got uh, some options uh, with your weapons here. You got uh, Dwayne Eskridge, a speedy wide receiver out of Western Michigan, or Amon Ray St. Brown, um, who the Chargers might be extra familiar with because he went to a USC, or Tylen Wallace, a speedster from uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, you also... Uh, could use uh, more corner depth with uh, Tyson Campbell or uh, Sean Wade or Paulson Adebo. Uh, or if you want a safety, which is very important in the uh, Fangio Staley scheme, Jamar Johnson out of Indiana or uh, Hamza Nasruddin of uh, Florida State. Uh, just lots of possible ways. Even more confusing spot now. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so I, I think I would probably go, I'd probably go Jamar Johnson there. I, I think adding that nice little safety that, uh, that, like I said, Fangio defense, you got to have good safety play. Now th- they can make safeties big time stars because they, they put them in a position to be successful. And I think, uh, Jamar could really be that for them. And so then you can start building kind of inside out. And I, I mean, Fangio shown he can make cornerbacks work. Now you still like to have stars at the position if you can, but he can still make his defense work even with average or below average cornerbacks. The the safety position, I still think you need to have a pretty darn good player to make that work. I would absolutely agree there. And uh, especially with the Derwin James durability issues. Oh my God, such a promising player just can't stay healthy. My goodness. You're going right. to need safety depth in that Brandon Staley defense in LA and now for the final pick of the three round mock for the Chargers they own two third round picks this year at 97 overall uh, uh, we haven't given uh, Herbert another weapon yet but uh, the cupboard uh, seems bare there unless you like uh, Kenneth Gainwell uh, uh, gadget type running back out of Memphis although the uh, uh, Brian Bosarge on our running back special uh, said that he didn't test well, so uh, he's moving him down his board. Uh, uh, corners, uh, Elijah Griffin from USC, Keith Taylor Jr., Washington, Benjamin St. Just of, uh, of Minnesota. Uh, uh, if you want another edge uh, with uh, Melvin Ingram leaving to help Joey Bosa out, Jordan Smith out of uh, UAB. Um uh, or um, Victor Demukaji from Duke here. Uh, uh, the, the, the cupboard is pretty bare here. The best wide res- weapons available are uh, Tutu Atwell from Louisville, who I, I heard test pretty underwhelmingly. Uh, uh, Frank Darby, Arizona State. The, 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 the cupboard's pretty bare here, man. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, yeah not, not their best setup. Unfortunately, the, the positions that the, the Chargers need, a lot of them dry up pretty quick after the first couple rounds here, uh, which, I mean, unfortunately for them, being a Bronco fan, yay for us. Um, <laughs> but I, I look at Edge there. Uh, what, what were the names you listed there? Uh, Jordan Smith out of UAB is the top one left on the board. Uh, Victor Demukaji from Duke. Uh, forgive me if I mispronounced that name. Yeah. Cameron Sample uh, from Tulane. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll go Jordan Smith there. I, I've watched a few of his games, and 
he's one of those guys. He has that high ceiling. At this point, I'm willing to t- take a chance on a guy that probably isn't day one ready, but could project to be a quality starter down the road. I mean, he's got the size. He's got the athleticism. He just needs somebody who's going to be there to to really help him develop. And I think with, with Staley as the coach, I and of course, I mean, you, you got some pretty good talented players that can really help him as well. So I, I, I guess that's the direction I would go. I think that could really be a good place for him to, to go and really reach his full potential. And now moving on to the Raiders and their three-round mock draft. And at pick number 17 overall, let's see what the Raiders currently have. Uh, uh, Jalen Phillips, an edge from Miami with a risky injury history, but they need a lot of help on defense. But given what they did on the offensive line controversially this spring, I don't get their plan at offensive line. They might have to get Derek Carr more protection. You recycle Colt Miller, but Tevin Jenkins is still on the board. You could have Colt Miller at the... Left tackle, right tackle, whatever he plays, and Tevin Jenkins at the other tackle spot. And given the how the Raiders want to be a run-first offense, uh, Tevin Jenkins is, as uh, uh, Nick Kendall said, uh, the biggest uh, ass-whooping tackle, so to speak, in this <laughs> class. Tevin Jenkins, uh, uh, I think, would make a lot of sense here. Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, if uh, they want a versatile defensive chess piece. Uh, Azizo Jalari or Quiddy Pay at edge. But... Uh, I think uh, since your most precious asset is Derek Carr, I think you got to go with Tevin Jenkins. What about you? Yeah, and and the other thing, I I like Derek Carr, but he is one of those quarterbacks that he likes to have things good around him. Uh, the, when the when the Raiders have not had great offensive line play around him, he is wilted big time, and and some of that's he's taken some pretty atrocious hits. I mean that broken leg a few years back. Uh, that I, I think that scared him a little. And so y- you kind of see, and this is why a little bit, I didn't quite understand their pick of Henry Ruggs last year. Yeah, they, he, they should have gone with CeeDee Lamb. I don't know why. Yeah. Right. And so it's just not reaching the full potential with the type of offense that you're going to be able to run with Derek Carr. Like I said, I love Derek Carr, and I think there's a lot of things that work well with him, but he's just not a, a play-out-of-structure guy, and he's not really one of those – hang in the pocket and take the big hit kind of guy. So you get a Tevin Jenkins who allows you to, like you said, to, to really focus on the run game and go with the play action, maybe hit a few plays over the top with our, with Henry Ruggs and, and some of the other playmakers, Darren Waller. Um, but I, I think you really do, like you said, try to emphasize that run game and, and hope you can win a lot of games with just running out the clock. Oh, definitely. And uh, the Raiders have some interior offensive linemen staring him at the face at pick 48. Landon Dickerson of Alabama, tremendous talent, but injury history is very, very worrisome. Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma. Yeah, you, you did sign a Nick Martin, but if you think Nick Martin could play guard, you could make Creed Humphrey your center as your long-term replacement for Rodney Hudson. Or Wyatt Davis out of Ohio State could be another good addition to that uh, offensive line, but you need help everywhere on defense. Uh, Joseph Asai, Gregory Rousseau still there. Davian Nixon from Iowa. Jabril Cox, linebacker from LSU. Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, from Florida State. Uh, uh, Elijah Molden out of Washington. Uh, God, do you add to the offensive line or try to build up your defense here? Oh, that's the that's a that's a great question and. Uh, <laughs> It's one of those either trying to make your offense elite and just win a lot of shootouts, or you say we're going to kind of try to be that balanced team that's kind of 
good at offense and, and average at defense and hope that wins us enough games. I, I personally, I, I guess I'd just keep adding to, to the offense and just say we're going to outscore a lot of teams. And so I, I like Creed Humphrey there. A uh, lot of starts there in college has been just a, a true stalwart there for Oklahoma. Big-bodied guy, tested well. I just think that he could be one of those 10, 12-year starters, kind of like Rodney Hudson was for him for a long time, and and just kind of be that the middle anchor that just kind of gets everybody on the right page. And since we drafted Creed Humphrey, I want to give a special shout-out to Creed Humphrey's agent, Ken Sarnoff, who was on our program last month. And Ken also represents Christian Derisaw, so it's going to be a heck of a first two nights of the draft for Ken and his agency. Uh, Ken also represents Lane Johnson, so he's like one of the go-to offensive line agents, so to speak. So uh, uh, good for you, Ken. Uh, We're rooting for Creed and uh, Christian to uh, be drafted very, very high in this draft. And the Raiders are back on the clock now with two consecutive picks in the third round at 79 or 80 overall. And uh, now you got to think of adding to your defense. Peyton Turner, an edge from Houston, they need edge help. Um, Tyson Campbell, corner from Georgia. Sean Wade from Ohio State. Quincy Roche. Paulson Adebo. Now, Paulson Adebo is uh, somebody who uh, has been mentioned as like the perfect example of a Seahawks quarter with Gus Bradley, now the defensive coordinator. I think he would make a lot of sense here. Yeah. Um, the the area I'm looking probably, I don't, I don't know, I'm torn because they have two decent edge rushers. Oh, so yeah, Ma- wanna... Max Crosby. I, I can't forget Max Crosby, but I, I just, Cleveland Farrell, oh, my goodness. What a mistake he's turned out to be at where right. they picked him. <laughs> right, and so it's kind of hard with me with, with Quincy Roach. I thought he did a great job this last year uh, just kind of upping his, his draft stock. And, <sighs> man, I'm, I'm really torn on that one because then adding to that secondary because they, they have not done a good job with drafting cornerbacks. It just has not ended well one bit for him. And so like a Tyson Campbell makes a lot of sense. And I don't know. I I, I guess I'm kind of a build through the trenches kind of guy and hope that you can get secondary players that that fit your system. So I, I would probably go Quincy Roach. Quincy Roach, the edge from Miami, the first of two consecutive picks in the third round for the Raiders in this three round mock. Quincy Roach from the University of Miami, who I believe was filling in for uh, Gregory Rousseau this year, who opted out due to COVID-19. And at 80 overall, uh, now with your edge, uh, do you get your corner here? Yeah, so then i I'd probably go Tyson Campbell. They like those big, long cornerbacks in that system. He's 6'2", uh, a little bit lanky with that 185-pound body, but uh, but I think he could be a, a really good fit for them. Um <sighs> He's got good athleticism, not the greatest short area quickness and not the greatest, you know, turnability. But at the same time, you don't need that quite as much in that kind of system. If you can be athletic, if you, or if you can be fast, if you can be strong, if you can be long, you can find success in that system. So I, I think I'd go Tyson Campbell there. And that does it for the Raiders. And last but not least, we conclude with the Kansas City Chiefs three-round mock. Three picks all at the tail end of rounds one two and three and we are quickly approaching pick number 32 here and all eyes are going to be on that tackle position for the uh, Chiefs uh, in this mock and in reality as well and uh, ooh, tackle I had in mind for the Chiefs Samuel Cosby Nick Kendall I believe told me he loved Samuel Cosby's fit with the Chiefs he's already off the board 
And the best tackles remaining are Liam Eichenberg of Notre Dame, Dylan Radins out of North Dakota State. Uh, or, or, but we're not going to cheat. We gave Leatherwood to the Chargers. We're not going to give Leatherwood to the Chiefs in, in our mock just for the sake of uh, integrity, so to speak. There uh, you go. But uh, this is an intriguing pick here. Christian Barmore out of Alabama in a, in a very, very narrow defensive line class in terms of depth. Uh, as you mentioned, the Chiefs got bullied on the other side of the ball, too, not just on offense. And they did sign Jared Reed uh, to a one-year deal to team up with Chris Jones. But if he had Barmore and create a three-man interior rotation there to get after the quarterbacks you're going to be facing in the AFC West, Justin Herbert and Derek Carr especially, this might be good value here for the Chiefs to uh, consider. Yeah, the the hard part is, unfortunately, they they really have painted themselves into a corner here. Yeah, they have that that offensive tackle spot. I mean, you, you got to get two guys in this draft and and waiting until the second round. Like I said, I mean, a lot of these guys are already gone. Uh, I, I'm guessing it, I'm guessing Jalen Mayfield's gone. Uh, Jalen Mayfield is uh, still available here, but I but uh, Nick believes he's better at guard. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd probably go Redunds here. I think he fits their their system. I I think his athleticism plays well with what Patrick Mahomes does with all of his running around. I think you got to have a guy that has some pretty quick feet, and and that's what he brings to the table. Um, But it's not going to be my favorite pick by any means if I was the Chiefs, but it'll be a solid pick for him. Yeah, Dylan Raiders, uh, he would be thrilled if he went from protecting Trey Lance at college to protecting Patrick Mahomes in the pros. And we are approaching pick number 63 here for the Chiefs. And let's see who we still have here. Um, uh, got some weapons available. Uh, Dwayne Eskridge, Monray St. Brown, Tylen Wallace. Um, Quinn Miners out of Wisconsin Whitewater, uh, interior offensive lineman like uh, uh, Laurent Duvernay Tardif. I, I don't know how many years he has left on his contract, but uh, outside of a Joe Tootie, uh, you don't have a long-term answer at guard uh, outside of uh, him there, in my opinion. So he, he's an intriguing pick. Uh, or, or Josh Myers out of Ohio State, but uh, Jackson Carmen out of Clemson, although uh, Madane Brugler thinks he's more of a guard. We already gave the Broncos Spencer Brown, so we can't cheat, so to speak. And uh, <laughs> uh, James Hudson from Cincinnati, or Stone Forsyth from Florida. Stone Forsyth, he's been rising up some boards here. So uh, do you think this would be a good place to pull the trigger on somebody like Stone Forsyth? Yeah, I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me to see that kind of option. Um uh, I don't know that there's like I said the Chiefs actually have a lot more holes than people think. Honestly, if I was putting the the Chiefs roster minus quarterback against the Broncos roster, I think I might take the Broncos roster of the two. They just I mean this is the problem with winning. Guys go get paid. Yeah. And it's just hard to keep them together. I mean, I think I read somewhere the other day that uh, Tampa Bay has brought all 22 starters from the Super Bowl back yep. and that's never happened before. Yep, uh, they're the exception, not the rule. It, it, it's never happened in the salary cap era, for, for darn sure. That's what uh, Elias Sports Bureau um, uh, reported uh, just a couple weeks ago. But uh, you mentioned uh, defense for the Chiefs. They they need a linebacker. You got Jabril Cox still available. 
if you want more World Series, you got Javon Holland out of Oregon, who's a defensive back that I believe uh, Nick Kettle and your co- other colleague at Mile High Huddle, Eric Trickle, really, really love. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that, that's or, that's probably where I, I would go. Or Richie he Grant is, from UCF. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I still would go Holland because I think he has higher upside than Richie Grant. He's a little bit more all-around safety position where he could play truly any position in that secondary and be halfway successful. So he's that nice little chess piece to have back there. And the Chiefs really have shown they like secondary players that can be multiple. And uh, it just fits their system well. Holland is he's, he's raw because he skipped out on this last year and and had some questions about his game. I think if he would have came back to, to Oregon, I think he would have been a first round pick this year. And so to be able to get him at the end of round two, let him develop. And I mean, he doesn't have to be like a high quality starter for them to still go out and win. I think as the season progresses, by the time the playoffs roll around, he could be that that dark horse X factor that really gets them over the top. He most certainly could, and if you look at the Chiefs secondary, even though it still needs work, it's actually not that bad. You got, uh, obviously, Tyron Matthews, the king of versatile defensive backs in the modern NFL, the Honey Badger, or he doesn't like being called Honey Badger anymore, so we'll just call him uh, Tyron Matthews. Uh, continues to be an inspiration to me, his personal story, that is. Legereus Sneed had a very good rookie season, and Juan right. Thornhill is another promising young safety. And adding Javon Holland to that group uh, just makes the Chiefs secondary uh, even more underrated, dare I say. And uh, now we have arrived at pick uh, 94 overall, and uh, uh, those tackle developmental tackles are still available. James Hudson or Stone Forsythe. Uh, do you think this is the time to roll the dice on another tackle here? Yeah, th- this is the point. I mean, the, the Chiefs have a couple guys that you could see that could start this year if need be. I mean, they won't be high-quality starters, but I think we figured out with offensive line, you just need good enough to be able to be successful. Yeah. The Chiefs had good enough two years ago. This last year, not good enough. Um, and so getting a guy that you think can develop, I, I think that this is that point that you you pull that trigger. Um, Stone Forsyth makes a lot of sense. I mean, you're talking about a pretty big guy. They're 6'8", 315, got himself a, a pretty good athletic profile. I, I don't know. I, I think that might be – I think this is where I, I pull the pr- trigger on him. Yeah, so Stone Forsyth over James Hudson? Yeah, I, I think so. I think you got a little bit more higher floor in that situation than than with Hudson. And and so I think with the Chiefs, again, you just want guys that are good enough. And, uh, and I think that's what you would get there with Forsyth. He is Carl Dumbler, ladies and gentlemen. MileHighHuddle.com. Follow him on Twitter at Carl Dumbler, M-H-H. And Carl, thank you so much once again for joining us. But that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. Yet our Dash of the Draft Divisional Tour around the NFL is on to the NFC West in just a few days and on to all the other divisions until your favorite team is on the clock. So stay tuned. But in the meantime, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at SportsCrunch.com. And remember, that is Crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Carl. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at dcrom 59 For Carl Dumbler, this is David Cromwell saying so long and please, please as usual, 
wear a mask over your nose, wash your hands, social distance, stay awesome, stay safe, and when it's your turn, please get whatever COVID-19 vaccine is available to you. It'll save your life, and I mean that literally. Thank you very much, everybody. (laughs) 